Hello and welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, happy election day to you. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, the, the nation is abuzz to see who our next fearless leader is going to be. Yeah, it's exciting. And that's all we're going to talk about that. <laughs> right. Let's, yeah, let's talk a little football. Um, we had some excitement last night, and, and that's just exactly what we need, especially on primetime games, don't you think? I mean, that, that if we get some more action like that, and who cares if it's controversial? That, I mean, people are going to watch. Do you agree? Yeah, I thought it was a very, very entertaining game. I mean, obviously the no-call uh, roughing the kicker penalty it was had Twitter on fire and everybody's crazy, and especially Bills fans and Rex Ryan, and, you know, understandably so. But I thought it was a very, very entertaining game. I mean, two quarterbacks playing well, back and forth. Uh, and uh, to be very honest with you, Bill, I mean, I think fans have overreacted to, boy, football's no fun to watch anymore. The NFL stinks, you know. I mean, that's a heck of a product they put out last night. And, and that's not that uncommon. No, and it was good. And, you know, it was, Seattle was involved in another great primetime game, but a completely different way in a 6 defensive battle a couple weeks ago. Um, did it look like to you that Seattle's defense is really missing Michael Bennett? Yes, without question. I mean, Earl Thomas, I mean, look at, you know, I was talking to a Seattle guy not long ago, and we were talking about their defense, just big picture. And there's a handful of guys there. I mean, I think Earl Thomas is going to the Hall of Fame. I think Bobby Wagner's got a chance. I think Sherman's got a chance. I think Bennett has a chance. Averill's a great player. You know, the KG Wright's a very underrated player. That um, we were talking, we had the discussion of, you know, what is the most valuable guy on their defense, and we really came down to probably Earl Thomas number one because he lets the whole scheme happen. He erases problems. I really think he's the best safety since Ed Reed and Paul Amalu and an easy Hall of Famer. But the close second, in my opinion, is Bennett. And there really isn't a player like him in the NFL right now because he's so versatile, you know, really good pure 4-3 defensive end that can play on, like, the wide side or over a big power tight end. And then he does the um, Justin Tuck move where he moves in inside where he's even better in all the nickel packages you see. He's a great football player, and I don't think the the average fan realizes that year after year, I mean, he's a top five to ten defensive player in this league. I think he's an energy starter for them as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, back to Thomas, because I found it interesting. Do you think he's a better, and I know this is a difficult answer, difficult question to answer, because it's a little bit of apple and oranges, but is he a better player than Richard Sherman, or is he just more valuable in, on that defense? I think both, and not by leaps and bounds, and that's not a detraction of Sherman. But, you know, I think whenever you talk Sherman against the other, you know, A-plus defensive players in the league, which I think Thomas is, it, it, it hurts his cause that he doesn't do the Deion Sanders, Revis Island routine, you know. And sometimes he does. You know, we saw him on the left side of the field uh, for I'm not sure why, you know, left side on the offensive side yesterday. I mean, it wasn't like uh, Buffalo has some stud Sammy Watkins receiver he was following. And he does follow some, 
but they're predominantly a zone-based team with a lot of man principles, and he's really good at what he does. But I guarantee you that if you asked every Seahawk defensive coach who would you rather lose for a game, Sherman or Thomas, they would pick Sherman. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I don't want to get too much into this topic because we're going to be probably talking about it every week. But this week, and there's not necessarily a reason why maybe the league is not as interesting, but there's just not that many good teams. And I, I, I thought this week we kind of saw even more the separation. You know, I mean, Green Bay loses, Minnesota loses. I, I, there's just not that many teams in the mix. And, and even like my hometown Steelers, who I thought were like ready to yeah. explode, they lose again, and they're sitting at four and four. And you know, who's ready to step up? That's the thing. And again, I, I think we're going to talk about this. That's going to be a theme all year. But it's like, God, the pool is just not that deep. So let's talk about one of the teams that I think has yeah, entered we'll, that pool, we'll, we'll, we'll the Oakland note. Raiders. Um, we'll look, I covered the them Raiders. closely. The, I didn't think I wasn't completely sold on them because they they don't play very good defense and they make too many penalties and they could easily lose most of the games that they won. But I give them credit for winning. But then they go out and beat a good team in Denver, and they really punched them in the mouth. And they did play winning defense, and they did. They were the lesser of the two penalty evils on that field. And if the Raiders can continue this. Yeah, I think they can be an upper level team this year. Your thoughts on what you saw Sunday night? Yeah, highly impressive. And you know, in that division, everyone's sleeping on the Chiefs, who are seventeen and three in their last twenty games. But, you know, I think the Raiders proved to me something in that game. And, uh, you, you know, you look at the defense, and we've talked about this. I mean, there were so many new pieces and parts from offseason and first-round pick and, you know, all these new pieces, much like in Jacksonville with big spending teams, that I think it took them a little while to gel. But more importantly, they were really bad at linebacker, and Perry Riley fell into their lap. And he's not a superstar, but he's an NFL starting linebacker, and they didn't have that before. And Carl Joseph is now filling in, you know, and living up to the billing at safety. Before he was in, you know, they were really bad at that spot. And Mack is playing better than ever, you know. So the defense is now league average, I think. And the offense, we knew it was very good. It did beat up on some easier teams early in the season. Um, but to me, the beauty of it is, even with average running backs, in my opinion, they ran down the Broncos' throat. You know, that the yep. offensive line was the star of the show there, especially the left side, Hudson, especially Osemele, Penn, and that travels. You know, I mean, you can go to uh, New England in the AFC Championship game, and that O-line's going to still do its thing. You know, I mean, like Dallas is finding out, when you have a powerful, great, talent-laden offensive line, which is so rare in the NFL these days, you can hang with everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's fluky. I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that they're going to be an elite team this year, meaning can go to the title game. And I still think that the Chiefs are better. I mean, Chiefs are only a half game out, and that's because, you know, they haven't had their – they already had their bye, so if they win this weekend, they'll be tied with the Raiders. And they beat the Raiders up in Oakland. That wasn't really that close. It was, right. and it was, you know, of the two Oakland losses, it was, it was the big, their the bigger beating. So I'm not ready to say the Raiders are going to win the division, but 
they certainly could, and they go, could go deep. And it's looking like the team in the West is going to have one of the two buys. So, you know, win one home game and you're in the title game. Right, right. And I think that it's not a two-horse race. I mean, it's, it's too rough on Denver, but Kansas City and Oakland are starting to separate a little bit. And a really impressive win by the Chiefs this past week, too. I mean, backup quarterback, backup running back. Kelsey gets ejected. You know, Houston's not even there yet, and he's going to kickstart the defense even more. They're starting to rush the passer much better. And, you know, we've talked about this before, too, that, I mean, Andy Reid's a really good coach. I mean, he knows how to win in this league, and uh, he gets a lot out of average to above-average talent. Yeah, I I think he's a top-level guy. I mean, you know, playoffs, he might tighten up a little bit in in the clock management, but, yeah, he runs a heck of a program. And in the NFL, I mean... You can't really say that. You know, there's too many consistently good programs, and I think he's one of those coaches. Um, you worried about the Packers? They just seem like they're starting to suck on gas here. I am. Uh, I mean, I think they have a really good line. I'm still very much a believer in Rodgers. I think he's past his slump, so to speak, and he was slumping. Mm-hmm. And But they're asking too much of him. I mean, they don't have a running yeah. back. <laughs> I mean, like, they really don't have a running back. And... Right. It's hard to play football that way. And the receivers, you know, they're a better team than the Colts, but the Colts were a bad matchup for them because they play a lot of man coverage. Vontae Davis played in that game. And these these wideouts don't get away from man coverage. They get nothing from the tight end. Um, they ask Rodgers to do too much. And the defense is good, but they've been banged up at corner. That's been a problem. Um What's weird about that game, though, is it, nothing went right really for the Packers, and I don't think either team's particularly good, but they have good quarterbacks, and I think they're both going to win their division. Is that right? Let's go back to your mediocre statement. Wow. So, so you, I'm sorry. You think the Colts are going to win their division as well? I mean, I'm not betting on either one, but if yeah. I had to put a chip down on either. I would take the team with the best quarterback in each of those divisions. That's Rodgers and Luck, and I think the Colts are coming around a little. But, I mean, it just comes down to showing that there's no good teams in either of those divisions. No. Well, what's your thoughts on the Lions? I mean, they may, they're showing a little life here while the other two teams, you know, while the Vikings and Packers take pretty significant step backs. Yeah, and I'm actually in the in the midst of writing an article for today's Pigskin about how uh, the Vikings are doomed. Uh, I mean, their offense is so bad, and, and you can't create turnovers and score on defense and special teams like they did to begin the season. And the Lions are a better team than the Vikings. So I do think the Lions have a chance. I'm a big Stafford believer. They don't have any running game either. Their defense has been amongst the league's worst for the whole season, but they're getting a little healthier. So, I mean, I think they have a chance to, you know, I, past the Packers in the north, but none of those teams are playoff-worthy to me or close to contenders. Right. Yeah. What's the, Matthew Stafford, I mean, kind of kind of snuck up on us again this year, didn't he? Sort of. I mean, he was great when Cooter took over for those last eight games or whatever it was last year. So he's just maintained that. But what's crazy is – 
the Lions have been losing in the fourth quarter in every game this year. And, yeah. you know, he, he – I mean, I'm not a big believer in magic or, you know, I mean, the, you know, he pulls – but he does play his best when it matters most, and he doesn't get overwhelmed by big situations. He, he certainly has added to his immense talent, to the ability to come from behind and manage a team and be the guy. I mean, I really think he's stepped up into, you know, one of the, the – as a top-tier type quarterback. Isn't that one of the very top – traits you'd want in a quarterback i'm talking two or three and that is clutch that is the light comes on in the fourth quarter i mean that's what Derek carr is showing in oakland yes and i believe in it but i also think that you know sometimes it's a shortcut to scouting to say oh he's got it you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, some of it I think is your mental makeup. Do you does do you get rattled when the lights are brightest or when times are the worst? And I don't think Stafford does. And I think he's maturing that way. You know, he makes less bad decisions with the football now than ever. And I think Cooter's helped with that and reeled him in and the system and all those things. I mean, there certainly is something to it. I mean, the Starbucks and the Montanas and, you know, that, that do their best when it matters most. No way, I'm not yeah. just counting that. But sometimes I think people in the media just kind of take the shortcut and say, well, he's won a couple big games. He has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, I mean, when you consistently look at Elway and Favre in that fourth quarter, I yeah. mean, it's making the other 52 guys on the team believe in him, too. See, I, think that's I guess that's... That's part of the it, right? Yeah, I think that's the key. Is when the, the rest of the huddle looks at you and says, "Joe or John, you know, Montana or Elway, they got it, you know, or Peyton's going to take us down the field and we're going to score," and they believe it, as opposed to looking around at, "Man, I don't know about this dude." I mean, Sanchez is going to lead us ninety yards, right. but you know, I mean, I think that's part of it too. And just like any sport or any, you know, walk of life, the great leadership is you know rubs off on those around you. I want to finish up with the Vikings a little bit because just three weeks ago, they were the last unbeaten team in the league. And now they're just, you know, a couple of stumbles and they could be 8-8. Eight and eight. And, and, and they look like they're heading that way more than they're heading towards the playoffs. Did you, was, the, was that 5-0 and start just kind of a stinky perfume? I mean, are, are you surprised that we're at this point so soon? A little, but it adds up too. You know, like like I said, they're... Their ability to score touchdowns, I mean, I mean they, they were scoring a lot of touchdowns on defense and special teams. Well, not only that, they were blowing teams out in terms of turnover plus minus, too. And like the Panthers are finding this year, some teams are better than others, but you don't win the turnover battle by two, two, two or three turnovers a game, you know, week after week. It just doesn't happen in this league. It's unsustainable. And obviously that helped Bradford and the entire offense so much more because you get so much better field position whenever you take over after an interception or a fumble or whatever. And, you know, you get spotted seven points because your special teams or defense scores. And they just don't block anybody. (laughs) You know, I mean, I, I feel for Bradford because I think their receivers are okay, and we actually saw Treadwell on the field this week, and I love the defense, but the defense is going to be on the field all the time, and they're starting to wear down a little bit. They're not quite as dominant because they have, I mean, them or the Giants have the worst running game in the league, 
and it's not going to get any better. I mean, Jake Long going to turn into the 2005 version of Jake Long and save the day? No. I mean, this has been out of the league forever. I mean, uh, you know, they've been, now they have a new offensive coordinator, and he is scheming to get the ball out of Bradford's hands much faster instead of the Norv Turner throw it deep, you know, seven-step drops. And that will probably help, but it also is going to bring more bodies towards the line of scrimmage, and there will be no running game. So I just don't see hope on the horizon. Yeah, it's going to be hard next year, too, without, you know, that first-round pick. I don't know what their salary cap is offhand, but, I mean, this could be an issue. This could be a weak spot for them next year as well. Yeah, and the Adrian Peterson situation will have to work itself out, too. Like, I don't think he'll be back, or certainly not at his cost. It'd be nice to have him now. I mean, he can make more out of nothing than the Jokers running the ball now. But you're right. I mean, it, where where are they going to find offensive line help? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's an interesting story just because it happened so quickly. It just shows you, you know, how fast this thing can turn, either positively or negatively, in this league. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a fast sixteen game season. It is, and you know, you're five and zero, and that's really a small sample size. I mean, if a baseball team plays great for five games in a row. Some people don't even notice, <laughs> you know that. Right. And if you're, they were, they're a house without a foundation on offense. They don't block. Right. Interesting. Talking about not blocking, and we talked about this after about three weeks. But Todd Gurley, I mean, this thing has become a pretty big epidemic for the Rams. He's just not getting any yardage, and not a lot of people are talking about it. I mean, he hasn't had a hundred. His highest run total, yardage total this year is 85 yards. And I think he only had 100-yard game like in his last four games last year. So this has continued. So is this just an offensive line problem or is this a Todd Gurley problem as well? I have a hard time placing blame on him. I mean, I think he's an immense talent. But I don't think we should forget that he's also very, very young. I mean, he hasn't been doing this long. He's not super proven. So he might not be at the height of his powers in terms of creating yardage on his own either. But the Rams are just so easy to play against. I mean, Case Keenum to me isn't anything resembling an NFL starting quarterback. And Fisher is so reluctant to go to Goff. And, you know, I mean, it's easy to rip on Fisher, but he's closer to the situation. Obviously he doesn't think Goff is ready. But, you know, they have to know Keenum's not the guy either. The line is terrible. They have nothing at the receiver positions. I mean, uh, this is another one that even if Goff comes in and plays as well as Wentz or Prescott, they're not going to get much better. Right. And they have big problems. They don't have any. They really don't have any draft picks because they gave them all up for Goff. Right. Um, so you're going to have a hard time getting that line space. better. I don't know. And it's just. Uh, and let's talk about Goff a little bit. At one point, do you start worrying about him that he's not playing? It's like, dude, we're talking. The guy who's playing right now is not an NFL quality quarterback. You've been picked. You've been in this system for half a year now. Shouldn't he be ready to go? Yes. I mean, I think the answer is absolutely yes that he should be ready to go. Um, I mean, I think you could place blame on those coaching him. You know, you watch Hard Knocks. He wasn't super impressive, that's for sure. Um, you know, was he not worthy of the first overall pick? Should he be further along than this? Could he 
turn into a superstar? Absolutely still. You know, I mean, I don't think the, the book's written by any stretch, but right. this is certainly, you know, not promising. And, and I, I mean, it's kind of like the Jets, too. Like, okay, you're the head coach, and it's only the midway point of the season, and you're sitting there saying, well, we could still make the playoffs. And, you know, all of us on the outside, it's easy to say, put in Hackenberg, put in Petty, put in Goff. Who cares if you lose anything? You're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. But that's not how coaches think. I mean, the coaches think, how do I beat the team I'm playing next week? And Keenum probably gives them a better chance to do that. Right. But still, I mean, at some point, everybody's got to be a little nervous that, hey, did, did, did we make the wrong pick here? Especially when you have Wentz right behind him, who's doing so well. Do you, talking about the Eagles and Wentz, They've kind of fallen down, too. They're only 4-4 four and four now. Wentz has struggled a little bit the last few games. This is just rookie stuff. I His star is still up there, right? I still have extreme confidence in him. This past week, the first half, he played poorly through really two bad interceptions. Then I thought he played very well. You know, drove the ball down the field more than they usually do, making plays. I'm still a massive believer in Wentz. And I think the future is much, much brighter in Philadelphia than it is, you know, in Saint, in Los Angeles, for example. Right. Um, right. But I look at his team, too, and Darren Sproles is their starting running back right now. I mean, on fourth and one, they give it to a munchkin, and he can't – they need a power back. I don't understand why Ryan Matthews is such in the doghouse or what his story is. The receivers don't get any separation. There's not Ryan Matthews is number twelve pick overall one time, and he's just he's been a donut, man. Yeah, and I like him at times, but uh, people around him apparently don't. <laughs> you know that um, the, their team collective speed on offense is really bad. Uh, I think they need a number one receiver in a bad way. Um, and maybe the, I mean I think another off season goes a long way for this offense, but I don't like the pieces around Wentz right now, and I think it's starting to come back to roost in a big way. Yeah. You think they can make the playoffs? No, but if they were in the AFC South, I would say they could. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're not a terrible team, but losing to the Giants is a big blow. Clearly they're behind Dallas, and I could certainly make the argument that Washington's better than them, too. All right. Well, let's wrap up today's show with the New York Giants. I mean, they don't really impress you much, but but they've been winning, and they're they're 5-3, and three, and... And the NFL right now, five and three is a pretty dang good record. I mean, what's their ceiling? A playoff win, maybe, uh, as a road wild card team? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I think they're highly flawed too, because they have zero running game. I mean, between the Vikings and the Giants, they have to be the two worst rushing attacks in the league, and it's hard to play that way, man. I mean, I think Eli Manning's played well, especially the last few weeks. Um, but their offensive line isn't very good either, and they just lost Pew, their best offensive line, or offensive lineman this past week. I like some things on defense. Um, I, I think the secondary is pretty good. All in all, I think their money they spent is decent, even though Vernon and Pierre Paul aren't putting up huge sack numbers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's their ceiling to me. I mean, that's best-case scenario is week one they go to Green Bay and beat a flawed Packers team. Right. Something you know, like that. let's wrap up the show. I mean, we started with there's not that many good teams, and all the like the last five teams that we've talked about, you've pointed out a major flaw major. on all of these teams. Is, is, is this just the way today's football is going to be? 
is that there's, you know, most every team's going to have a major hole. I guess. I mean, even New England. Like, New England's defense isn't very good this year, especially against the pass. They don't rush the passer very well. You know, I recently wrote an article that everyone's on Belichick for trading Jamie Collins, but the guy they're missing is Chandler Jones. You know, I mean, they'd be really, really good with Jones. I mean, the two teams I keep waiting on and putting my chips on are Pittsburgh and Seattle. You know, I think both those guys have super high ceilings. I mean, Patriot-like ceilings, but they're not really coming close to approaching them. Right. Even Arizona a bit, right? Yeah, agreed. Although their line now is so bad, too, that all their, you know, things are getting exposed on that side of the ball. Um, but, can, you know, you keep coming back to Kansas City. I mean, they're the one that doesn't have the gaping hole. If Kansas City was – I don't know if Kansas City can beat New England on the road in the playoffs. Right. If Kansas City was in the NFC, I'd say they might be a team that – Dallas might have a hard time with Kansas City. I know it's a silly argument, but – I'm just trying to, I mean, there's just not much going on out there as far as real quality teams. And is that going to make the playoffs boring or more exciting? I think it might be more exciting. I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, obviously between now and then, two or three teams that that we're not talking about, um, maybe it's Cincinnati or maybe it's Pittsburgh or, you know, somebody's going to get really hot and go into the playoffs on a five-game winning streak or – you know, Chargers, or you know, it could be anyone, Arizona, even that, that we're going to say, "Wow!" I mean, this team could roll through the playoffs, and so I think the playoffs are always going to be super exciting. I mean, yeah. there's going to be good matchups. There's going to be, but I guess to your point, there's no way around it. There's going to be two or three teams of the what the 16 that just aren't that great. You know, or the 12. I mean. I mean, uh, there's right. four teams. Yeah, there's six of them each conference. But two or three of those guys are going to be stinkers. I mean, they're going to be right. very average C-plus teams. And usually most years maybe that's like one team, right? Yeah, like it's, you know, the AFC South has put a few of those in lately. Right. Where, right. you know, I think there's going to be an extra one or two than usual. Right. Cool. Well, Matt, that wraps up a fast-paced show for this week. I appreciate it. Thanks for everybody listening to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, bud. Take care. Thanks, man.